We've got a smorgasbord, a veritable potpourri of things to talk about today. So let's dive right into it. Learning Geeks podcast coming up now. Hello, and welcome back to The Learning Geeks. I think this is episode 15. Yes. We have, right? 15. Wow. 15. Wow. wow, pretty good. Pretty good. I thought so, we ran out of stuff to talk about after about three. Uh, no, no. We've got a ton of stuff to talk about. And what happened to that mysterious one? We still got to... No, oh, episode one? Anything. Yeah. Nobody well, liked episode yeah, one. I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk about that later. Uh, so this is Bob Gerard. I am joined by Dana Cock and Jake Gittleson. Hello, boys. Hey there. Yes, and the three of us, if you're joining us for the first time, we all work for companies. Some of us work for the same company. Some of us work for different companies. So you can figure that all out. Either way, what we have to say are entirely our views and not the views of our respective companies or each other's companies. They may be, but they may not be. But either way, nobody else is as much of a geek as we are. So, (laughs) but hey, let's dive in. And Jake, I am going to uh, put you into the batter's box first. So what do you have for us to start today? Sure. So I I had this topic and I was thinking about this as I was reading uh, a new book. Over the last couple of days, I've been reading this book, Atomic Habits by James Clear. For those unfamiliar with the term, he defines atomic habits as a regular practice or routine that is small, easy to do, but also has this source of incredible power, a component of the system of compound growth. And as you can tell, I'm reading this from from the book itself. But, you know, yeah. (laughs) But anyway, so this term stems from the notion that, uh, you know, we often have these positive habits or we approach positive habits in a more difficult manner, uh, meaning that We'll try to reach too high, you know, then makes it difficult. Plus, we often are goal-based in our habits, which then can cause us to feel finished, you know, once we complete a certain task. So he believes that we need to think of our smaller habits within a larger system, which then over time will then compound greater results. So think of it like a savings account, right? A little bit of interest over time will then compound to uh, larger gains over time, right? So there's a great quote from the book that says the purpose of setting goals is to win the game and the purpose of building systems is to continue playing the game. And that's again, how he views habits. Think of it small. It's not just a one-time game. We're not trying to win that one game. We're thinking of it as a, a larger system over time and those small habits will, will eventually gain. So again, the reason I picked up this book for two reasons. One was that I want to build more productive habits for me personally specifically better habits to help me be a smarter learner, more productive, and eliminate a lot of the waste that I tend to do, like rewatching Game of Thrones for the third time. But um, also to be more aware, uh, aware of my current habits, which are you know, both good and bad. Um, but I also picked this book up because of the huge connection to learning and behavior change. And when we learn something, it's easy to rush into it. It's also easy to reward the brain because it's easy to obtain new information from various sources. And it's easier, I'm guessing, right? It's easier to make these initial connections to prior knowledge. So from there, however, that's when it gets difficult. It's easy. Like I said, it's easy to obtain new information, but it's very difficult to go beyond just knowing about something to actually building knowledge or a skill on it. 
All right. So perfect example. You know, when I read a book, I can easily read a book in just a couple of days, put it back on the bookshelf, call it a day. If you knew, again, how long it takes me to read a book, I'm sure you guys will just completely laugh at how long it takes. Because what I do is I spend time on it. I reflect a ton on it. I read more. I have other things on the side that I'm reading. And I try to make connections. And it's a lot of effort for me to do it. And it's incredibly easy for me to say, you know what? I don't want to do any of this effort. I don't want to take the time to actually do this um, because it can make me feel overwhelmed. And, And I can just end up saying, you know what? I don't want to do this at all. But what he says in the book is that, which you can also quote Master Yoda for this one too, is that progress requires unlearning and that to edit hmm. and change your beliefs requires you to expand your thinking, have that open mind, which really brings me to the main point of this whole thing is that if our brains are always working to find the easy path, the one where our non-conscious mind can do things automatically, how do we combat that with the need to always have an open mind to challenge our current thinking, the ways of doing things and our beliefs in order to be more efficient learners. So I see this battle between within your brain, really the unconscious and conscious side. Your intuition is to spend less energy, right? That's what really what our brains wants to do. But there's also this need to feed your curiosity, reward yourself by gaining new knowledge. But that process, again, like I said, it, it's easy to do right away, but it's going to take a lot of effort and sometimes forces you to rethink the automatic or the automation side right, of our brains. And he had this really good story um, about a Japanese railway that I wanted to bring up. And it kind of gives us a perspective is that the Japanese railway system, and I'm going to read this specifically from the, the book here. So the Japanese railway system is regarded as one of the best in the world and you'll notice that the conductors have a peculiar habit. As each operator runs the train, they proceed through a ritual of pointing at different objects, calling out commands. The train approaches a signal. The operator will point and say, signal is green. As the train pulls in and out of the station, the operator will point at the speedometer and call out the exact speed. When it's time to leave, the operator will point at the timetable and state the time. So this process is known as pointing and calling. Is the safety system designed to reduce mistakes? Pointing and calling is so effective because it raises the level of awareness from a non-conscious habit to a more conscious level. Mm. So again, what I really for you guys, do you guys find yourself battling between these two sides, the unconscious side, the more automatic side versus the conscious side, the one that I have to be more aware and actually in order really in order for me to truly learn something new. So I'm reading a book called Unstoppable You, which is an interesting read. And one of the things that uh, the author, Pat McLagan, mentions in there, you know, she talks about our amazing brain, right? The 90 billion neurons, 110 trillion connections and the 90,000 miles of nerve fiber channels and talks about how that that's kind of the natural path is our body tries to get as many things into auto mode as possible because there's no way that we could consciously be taking in everything that our senses take in and and you know processing it unless we got things into the automatic state and uh you know her her contention is that when we want to deliberately learn something we need to make a conscious effort we need to lift it away from the um automaticity and I think in a lot of ways, she's saying the same thing that you're saying and the same thing that uh, is said in the book Atomic Habits. So I think I think the answer to me is yes. There, I, I need to be deliberate uh, 
And when I'm deliberate about wanting to learn something new, um, it sometimes means derailing some of the things that are kind of on autopilot. Yeah. And to me, it comes back to mindfulness, right? And just being aware and being self-aware of what's going on. I, I kind of had a little bit of an epiphany this last week because I was reading a book and I was kind of reflecting on the fact that when I was younger, I used to read a book or watch a movie or a TV show or something like that. And, you know, could almost after reading it or watching the show could almost instantaneously turn around and recite back the whole thing. Right. Or like I, I could play back the entire outline of the book from front to back. <laughs> yeah. And now like, I can't do that. I'll finish reading a book and then I'll be like struggling to remember what it was even about, even if it was something that I really liked. And I was thinking about that and thinking, you know, oh, I'm I'm just old, right? It's because I'm old. <laughs> and maybe part of my lack of retention is that, but then the epiphany was this was I was just thinking about how many more things are competing for my attention and distracting me. Mhm than were available when I was a kid, you know? And I realized like, how often do I watch a movie at home and I've got my phone next to me and every once in a while I check my phone, I check my emails or, you know, I get a notification and I check to see that notification and lose my awareness and lose my mindfulness around what I'm watching. Right. And so, you know, what I'm taking away from that is would we be better and more effective learners by really being able to isolate and focus on, on what we were doing at the time and being aware of it and moving towards being more conscious instead of so unconscious. Yep. So Jake, the uh, experience I had with the uh, atomic habits was, uh, you know, it, it, it took me longer to read than it could have as well. Uh, what I did is I actually took his online course simultaneously with reading it. And then I took, uh, a pretty, pretty rigorous notes. And then at the end, I came up with my own summary of what I felt the top, um, I think 10 takeaways were. And, uh, so, you know, after the fact, now this is several months ago when I read it, there are still things that he talked about, like, um, adding friction or subtracting friction in order to, um, you know, increase or decrease habits or the idea of habit stacking that he talks about. Mm -hmm. So, you know, part of it is uh, because of all of the work that the three of us have done in learning durability. Um, I, this was important enough content for me that I said, I need to practice durable learning principles. I need to not only read, but I need to write and, and do some of the generative um, activities and make it effortful. And periodically I go back to the notes and, uh, so it's, it's, you know, I'm doing some of that spaced recall. Right. So uh, it takes me a while to read a book if I'm serious about digesting it. So, right. So don't, don't feel bad. Well, and, and, <laughs> and I don't feel bad either because, again, that's my approach. I feel that I am learning more from the book. And I, I guess as the final thought takeaway for this, especially for the listeners, is that, again, if you're an educator, if you're someone, a learning professional, is to think about the learners themselves. And a lot of these folks don't have the knowledge of what it takes to do these things correctly, right? Um, again, sometimes people just want to read a book or sometimes they want to um, just do take the easy path. And um, But again, they're not trying to take the easy path. That's just what we're wired to do. Um, so I guess it's to be you as a learning professional, you as an educator, be more 
think of some creative ways, I guess, and what creative ways can you do to help these individuals be more aware and more mindful hmm. um, so that way they can be more in that moment and again, block out some of that, those more automatic tasks so they can, again, be more mindful of what's really in front of them, what they really want to learn. That's great. I'm going to have to pick up the book and read it and turn off my phone, I guess. <laughs> and take notes. <laughs> and take notes <laughs> and engage. Okay, that's great. Uh, Jake, thank you for that. Dana, you are up. Yeah, just a couple of things. You know, I have a continued fascination with things that fly and simulations. If you listen to our last podcast, <laughs> I shared some things, uh, experiences I had at uh, one of my favorite airlines. I was at their training headquarters and uh, we got into some of our simulators. Well, um, my oldest daughter, Kristen, is in town and she said, Dad, let's go do the iFly, which uh, for those who don't know, it's a massive wind tunnel that simulates skydiving. And uh, so the, we, we went to the facility and um, I was wondering how they were going to, you know, orient us, give us training because that's what I do. Right? Well, how are they going to get us ready for this whole thing? So they pulled us into a training room, believe it or not, beforehand. Huh. And they, they uh, now you got to remember, like there, there are guys who are like, you know, older like me. And then there's young kids that you know can, can barely stand. Uh, and so their training had to be able to be effective for everybody, right? Their training was basically four hand signs. Cause when you're in there, you can't hear any words, right? The wind is blowing, sure. and, right. you know? And, uh, anyway, so there were four hand signs. One was bend your legs. One was for straighten your legs. One was for chin up and one was for relax. So they, you know, taught us the four hand signs and did it in a very clever way with a little video. And then they came in and reinforced them and, uh, and then you went out to the, to the big wind chamber and, and they said, okay, come on in. And whew, all of a sudden you're up and they're doing these four <laughs> hand signs. And, uh, and one of the amazing things was at the end of, uh, you know, it, it was a lot of fun, first of all, but at the end of everybody from our group going through it, then the instructor, uh, pulled the little gate across and told the guy who runs the, the fan, he's, you know, two minutes, give me two minutes. And she went in and she was doing all of these aerobatics. I mean, doing flips and all the stuff that you think that skydivers would do, you know, if they're just free falling and having fun as they're doing it. And here she is doing it, like walking up the wall and then circling <laughs> and, you know, all because of the way that she's able to manipulate her body. So they do have, you know, if you want advanced training, you can join yeah. their program and come on a regular basis and they'll teach you how to do all these fancy things. But I thought from, a, you know, from a basic standpoint, they had a target audience where, you know, whether it was a young child or, you know, an older person, um, mm -hmm. they had to be able to teach at a level where everybody could understand. And the way they did it was with these hand signals. It was pretty effective. Was pretty basic, but it, it makes, yeah. it makes complete sense. Yeah. And yeah. It, I mean, the train, the training I'm doing air quotes here, the training was about 10 minutes, right? So they gave you 10 minutes huh. of this is how you do it. And then basically after that it was jump in and do it. <laughs> so yeah. the one thing I want to do, and Bob, maybe sometime when you're in Chicago, you and Jake and I can get together, the three of us can go down and do that same thing, but do it. They have a, a VR version where you can uh, fly with, <laughs> yeah. uh, fly either, um, what is it? The, the how to train your dragon VR. Oh, <laughs> so I don't know how they do it, but I'm guess I'm guessing there's some type of a little pack they put on your back and then the VR goggles and stuff. Yeah. So, anyway. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's interesting to me that they can take 
a skill that's probably pretty complex and kind of boil it down to the four maneuvers that right. yeah. you need to master to most effectively just have a good time, yeah. you know, initial experience. Yeah. It just seems like it must have taken a lot of work to get to that point. I, I think so. And it's really, they emphasize what it is, is your body position of trying to get your body in the right position. And once it's in the right position, you know, the, the air just kind of takes care of everything else. So, yeah. And they probably went through multiple iterations. Again, they're only talking about, they're talking about four movements, hand movements, right? Mm-hmm. They're the positions. Mm-hmm. But again, to your point, they have so many different body types, ages, um, levels, right. And to break it down to that level where it's, it's a basic communication technique and they're able to do it. I guarantee it still took a long time to figure that well, out. And the other interesting thing was they did have, so it's, it's like a large round tube you go into, right. And, and, but outside of that, they had a little, uh, monitor that you could see. And so they did have a job aid. If you forgot what some of the signs were, hmm. the instructor would point you toward that. And then it would say, straighten your legs or, you know, chin up or whatever it might be. Um, so, you know, they had a, the the way of giving you that additional communication if you needed it. I only saw them use that a couple of times, but uh, it was fun to look at the monitor because it also gave wind speeds. Like when I was on there, the wind speeds were about 110 miles an hour. Uh, and they, they decreased them for people who, you know, for the, the little featherweights, they, you know, it was down in the 70s or 80s because they didn't want them going shooting up to the ceiling of the whole thing. I have, I have to ask, did you take pictures or did some? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I just posted some, uh, uh, you can take a look at later. Oh, you did. Okay. And some videos. Julie was there. So she was our photographer and videographer. So (laughs) that might be this episode's, uh, cover then. (laughs) There you you go. go. Hey, one other thing, Bob, and then I'll toss it back to just, there's just a little side fun thing that I had happen this week. Um, so I was just at work and all of a sudden I get a, a, an image texted to me from my other daughter, uh, McKenzie. She was sitting in a classroom out at uh, Brigham Young university in a linguistics class. And she goes, um, she sent that the picture was the first picture was of me on a video screen. I had no idea that I was going to be on a video screen, (laughs) but she said, dad, you came to my class today. And, uh, and then the second image that she sent was of our Learning Geeks podcast logo. And, um, you know, so here, you know, in the, in the middle of the uh, Intermountain West, we're getting the learning podcast um, promoted in that way to a, to a classroom. I thought it was kind of funny. And then I had to kind of trace back and figure out how in the world did it end up there? Well, it turns out that uh, there was a, a young woman who grew up in our neighborhood and then she moved and, but she ended up studying uh, instructional design. Uh, her name's Kaylee Baez, and she's actually studying at Purdue University. And what she does as part of that, she also does uh, virtual teaching. She'll come in as a guest uh-huh. lecturer at various places to talk mm-hmm. about instructional design. I made a video for her about, you know, what I do oh. at Accenture and instructional design. And I introduced her to the podcast. I had no idea. And she had no idea that it was going to end up coming back to my own family. Anyway, <laughs> kind of a, kind of a fun story. That's fantastic. So Kaylee, hi, if you're listening. Hi, thank you. And, uh, and a warm welcome to everybody in the BYU linguistics class who is now fans. I'm sure liked, liked and subscribed. Yeah. Yeah. So welcome. Welcome. We're glad you're here. And you can uh, uh, ping us about all of the different language. Well, whatever you actually learn in linguistics. Is it like... <laughs> I, I don't is know. Is it like I have no how... Idea. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> I'll, I'll ask McKinsey sometime. Very interesting. Yeah. yeah okay. Report I'll re- back. I'll report data. back when good. I understand what, they, what they're doing in a linguistics class. Yeah. Great. 
All right. Well, I will dive in and uh, just a couple of quick things as well. So I have been very interested in a product. And again, this is not, you know, this is not promotional. I'm not getting paid by these guys or anything like that. I'm not advocating for it. So I'm, I'm being very neutral here. That's because all of our opinions are our own. They're not representative of anything. They are our own. We're not endorsing any product or or flying in simulators or anything else. We have no sponsorships right now, although we're open to those if anybody wants to ping us. Wasn't Um, it Disney you were trying to get? uh, Yeah, Disney. We'll we'll get somebody at some point. But anyway, um, this company is called Masterclass. And the the reason I got, uh, I got kind of turn back on to them is because my uh, my Facebook feed and my Instagram feed was being filled with ads from them. Uh, and actually, it, it has been for a number of months. Um, this company, what they do is they they create online courses. And so they're, they're kind of, you know, traditional MOOC-like courses where you'll have a video, so the lesson will be in video, and then You'll have some sort of a workbook that you do between lessons that has some reflection activities and some sort of practical application activity, and you bounce back and forth lesson to lesson um, until you complete the class. Um, But what these guys do is they get people who are well-known people who are experts in their field, and they do their quote-unquote masterclass about whatever you know them for. So you'll have like Gordon Ramsay teaches you cooking or maybe Gordon Ramsay teaches you how to embarrass people and make them feel bad about themselves. Like Gordon Ramsay is known to do. Um, but there's also, uh, Steve Martin teaches comedy writing. And as I've been watching these ads, they, they keep filling up with people who I would, I am more and more interested in learning from, uh, to the point where when in one week I saw Neil Gaiman teaches you, storytelling and Will Wright teaches you game design, I was like, I have to subscribe to this. So I did. And so I've watched Neil Gaiman's class. I've watched uh, I've watched uh, a little bit of Will Wright's class. I've watched R.L. Stein, the guy who created the Goosebumps book, wrote one on, or the book series, wrote one on doing children's stories. So interesting things, very interesting topics. And they're, they're all over the place. But what I've been doing is kind of watching these and trying to figure out what's the secret sauce here? Like what's what's making these work? Because the format in itself, as I said, is pretty traditional. It's very similar to what we went through when we did the Pixar class in a box uh, about a year ago around storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, same same format. But what I notice that's different about this is when I'm watching these videos, the presenter in general, for most of them, is talking straight to camera. It's a very warm environment. It feels like they are sitting and talking to me over coffee and sharing their experiences and sharing their wisdom, and not that they're doing a very formal presentation. So it feels very personal. And I really feel like you know, I'm hearing from Neil Gaiman uh, where his heart is at about how important story tell, stories are. You know, it, it doesn't just feel like it's a professor up there trying to walk me through bullet points or hit off a few learning objectives. It feels very natural and like they're really supporting you and are uh, are obviously passionate about their topic, but also passionate about helping you master it. 
So Bob, are there any are there any homework assignments or any activities or or, or is it m- primarily them uh, them sharing their insights? Yeah, no, there there are homework activities. So again, like you'll you'll get a video. It might be six or seven minutes, and then you'll have a, a workbook that you kind of work through afterwards. And some of them are are different than others, but for the most part, there'll be a couple of reflection questions and then some sort of an assignment. Mm-hmm. So Chef Ramsey might have you make some uh, some pasta or something. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I saw one of those I thought was kind of interesting. It was an astronaut. Uh, yes, talking Chris about, Hadfield. I, who is it? Yeah. yeah. It's Chris Hadfield. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, I, I just saw a snippet of it and it looked really fascinating. Yeah. And he did like, uh, I watched his, uh, at the end of his, Chris Hadfield teaches you space flight. <laughs> not, not one that I'm really worried about, uh, learning so much. Um, <laughs> but, but he did kind of a bonus episode that is all about like, how do you go after your dreams? And he tells a story about how he became an astronaut. Mm. It, it's just amazing. It is so inspirational. Uh, it's definitely worth taking uh, taking a look at that. Well, given my fascination with things that fly, uh, maybe. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, so the good thing about their videos is like clearly there's a more of a human connection. Uh, they're personalizing. It feels like they're they're talking to you. And then I, I'm guessing again, based on your motivation to learn, I don't know if does that have any impact to to you to do the assignments, or do you think? It still just depends on the the learner themselves and what situation they're in, if they really want to go that next step to to practice. I mean, what do you think? Well, that's what I need to figure out. Um, what I was going to say earlier was to date, all I've done is watch the videos. I haven't like said, okay, I am really going to focus on this one class and go through the entire experience. So I need to do that. But I've been looking at the videos because I'm trying to kind of crack what are their secret sauce of them? What makes it different? Um but but I, I think that's that's what I'm interested in your guys' opinion or even our listeners. If you guys want to take a look at this product and you have ideas, would love for you to send your ideas to me. Uh, you know, kind of w- what do you think about this? What do you think about the approach? And is there something other than the things I've called out that resonate and make it special? Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I, I do appreciate when they do these videos that they're they're more personalized. They're talking to you. It feels more human, right? Rather than, you know, sometimes they record it when they curate videos, they curate maybe a TED Talk video or whatever. And again, it just feels like it's just thrown in there, but it feels as if you were talking with that individual or hearing from them. Yeah. But for the the mention that you, you mentioned earlier about the, our experience with, um, the Khan Academy and um, the Pixar in a box. The Pixar, yeah. The, the yeah, that strategy was that we 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 do these things, but at the same time, we, it's we collectively met once a week, and it, we did, it, and it made ourselves do the work, do the effort, but at the same time, we started to reflect it and bring it back and apply it to our actual context. So, I think they're again. I don't know masterclass. I just from hearing what I'm what I'm hearing. I still think there's probably an effort to make it really work, maybe more of a collective effort or at least the motivational level. But having the video itself be more feeling as if they're talking with you has to make a, a larger impact. So, Jake, I want to unpack something that you, you just mentioned, and that is, you know, for our, our listening audience, 
the the three of us and a few others took a course which you could take independently, right? The Pixar in a box, mm-hmm. the storytelling in a box. So you could take that independently, but we decided to make it a social experience, <laughs> virtual social experience, where we right. went through a, a lesson a week. And so that also built in accountability. But that's the, the reason I mentioned that is that's just the type of thing learning geeks do is you figure out how can you elevate and you know, improve upon an instructional model. Yeah. And true confessions, I had never, ever completed an online class in my entire life. <laughs> I mean, it, no, okay. That's not true because everybody who's looking at like my compliance-based classes is wondering. I know what I you meant. Though. No, yeah, I yeah, didn't. Yeah, yeah. We know what you mean. No, I've done those. But but yeah, like these type of activities, I, I've tried a few times to enroll myself in courses like these and do them. And I just drop off after a while. But with that experience, the social aspect definitely kept me engaged. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I needed. I, I totally agree. And it's, again, it's accountable. There's somebody else that's doing it. And plus, I learned a ton when we all came together because we we're sharing what, you know, what, Bob, what you think you can do in your role with Pixar storyboarding or Dana, what can you mm-hmm. do with um, the other? There's so many techniques. I'm drawing a blank. I have to write, look at them again. But again, I think that was what was so important about it. So as I said, uh, would love to hear your thoughts. I literally just dropped a text to our web designer, i.e. my creepy son, who <laughs> is probably not listening to this podcast, so I will tell him that, but uh, uh, asking him if he has gotten to update our website yet, which he's promised me he is going to. So we will very soon on our website have the capability to interact more as a learning geeks community. So mm-hmm. we'll have some, we'll have some posts, we'll have some commenting and uh, we'll be able to directly hear from you and interact with you on there. So that's great. Uh, one other last bit of logistics before we close the show. So Jake and I are next week, next week, it's a week from, yeah. A week from Sunday. So we will be in Orlando running the star Wars half marathon. So wish us luck. Good luck. I, my goal is thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It says data comfortably from home. My my goal is to get my body across that many miles mm-hmm. uh before the uh before the the trailing wagon picks me up. So I think I can make it, but hopefully we will. Uh so we'll be doing that. And then Jake is gonna fly home, but I am actually road tripping back up with my brother from Orlando to Chicago to attend Star Wars Celebration, the big conference and uh, convention or nerd fest. So I will be there. So uh, I'm going to be out for a couple of weeks here. But our plan is after I get back, we will record a Star Wars after show where we will unpack all of that and somehow tie it back to learning and adult learning. Um <laughs> We have ways of doing that. That's kind of, you know, part of our profession, but we will do that. So you'll be welcome to listen to that. And then we'll have a regular show, uh, probably like a week afterwards or so. Yep. So we'll officially be back in about three weeks, but we'll have that Star Wars after show in the middle. And we're going to know so much more about Star Wars Episode Nine, about the Mandalorian TV show. Um, One of the things we're promising it's... (laughs) <laughs> no, we're not going to talk about that. No. Uh, Star Wars at Star Wars Celebration, they're going to have demos of the um, Oculus Quest running Ooh. the Vader Immortal oh, exp- yeah. uh, uh, extended reality thing. So 
I'll get hands on with that. I'll be able to report back on that and it'll be great. Sounds good. So that's what we have to look forward to. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you all for listening, for tuning in. Uh, welcome again to all of our new listeners. And thanks again to our continued les- listeners. We're glad to have you part of our community. So this is Bob. And on behalf of Dana and Jake, until next time, have a great time. And we will talk to you soon. Thanks, everybody. Take care, everybody.